This morning we're going to read two scriptures together. We'll begin uh, in Isaiah chapter 53, uh, beginning in, with just verse 1 and 2. Then we'll skip over to the Gospel of Luke uh, chapter 1. As we together hear from the Lord, word of the Lord, I hope if you have your Bibles, you'll turn with me there. If not, you can follow along with the words on the screen as we together hear the word of the Lord. Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. And then in the Gospel, Luke chapter 1, verse 5 and following. In the days of King Herod of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was a descendant of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and both were getting on in years. Once when he was serving as priest before God and his section was on duty, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and offer incense now at the time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people was was praying outside. Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was terrified. And fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and your name uh, you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, how will I know that this is so? For I am an old man and my wife is getting on in years. I think that's his way of saying she's younger than I am. Um, The angel replied, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak until the day these things occur." Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondered at, the delay, at his delay in the sanctuary. And when he did come out, he could not speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. And he kept motioning to them and remained unable to speak. When his time of service was ended, he went to his home. This is God's word offered to us in its reading and in its hearing. So we give thanks to the Lord God Almighty. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Gracious God, we do come before you with praise and thanksgiving for your holy word and the wisdom contained therein. We ask, O God, that you would uh, make yourself known to us in this space, in this time. 
Lord, open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear. Open our minds that we would come to know and understand your word, and indeed your ultimate will. Open our hearts that we would feel its power. And by your grace, I ask, O oh God, that you would open our hands, that we would offer grace to the world and service to you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Doubt comes natural for us. Does it not? It's a very natural thing for us to doubt, to be skeptical, uh, to have question. Uh, it's part of our inquisitive minds and spirits, and, and, and doubt comes quite natural to us. Uh, I remember one Christmas, um, Lauren had done a lot of, her, a lot of the shopping, uh, and she had bought a, a lot of things from Target, uh, and, and, and one of the things that, that took place was she, she, she bought this, this set of items uh, and, and then got home and found out that they had gone on sale online. And, uh, and, and what she did was she instructed me, Lauren instructed me, as any good wife t- would do to a good husband, I need you to go to Target and tell them that there is an online sale that they need to give us money back for. And I said, say what? You want me to go tell them to give us money because we found a better deal and we didn't find it in time. And and I'm thinking to myself, this cannot be. This is a waste of my time. This is foolishness. And then she told me that that all in all, it was going to be like like 80 bucks if I would just go and do this task. And I thought to myself, well, $80, it's at least worthy of going and seeing. But all the while, as I got in the car and loaded this stuff up and was driving to Target, I thought to myself, this is a fool's errand. People don't just give money back because they found out that they had been hogwinkled. That's my way of saying they had been fooled. You know, like, 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 does this make any sense? You realize you pay too much, so they give you money back? And so I, I, I went to Target, and I carried all this stuff in. I should have gotten a cart as I went in because I was hauling all this stuff. And I went up to the counter and they said, what do you want to do? Are you looking to return? I was like, well, no. So my wife sent me here. <laughs> and she smiled and she said, you're not the first one. <laughs> and, 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 and I said, so here's the deal. All right, we bought this stuff. I have the receipt. But, like, we got took because online there's a better deal. And I'm like, And she looks up at me and she says, no problem, sir. I'd be glad to match the online price. I said, huh? In in that man uh, nondescript way of groaning that we do whenever we can't find words. Huh? And, And she said, sure, be glad to match your price. And sure enough, you know, we ran the card and bada bing, bada boom, $80 back on my card. I doubted what my wife had sent me to do because doubt comes easy for us, right? Doubt comes easy for each and every one of us in most circumstances, honestly. In most circumstances for us, uh, skepticism is, is woven into our frab- fabric. It's easier for us to believe uh, that something has no rootedness 
or know truth than it is for us to believe truth. We, we will doubt what we are told directly because we always ask the next layer of questions. Doubt comes easy for us. And there's doubt for Zechariah here in, in, this, in this biblical story uh, at the very beginning of Luke. You know, Luke doesn't start with the birth of Jesus. Luke starts uh, with the precursor to Jesus, that is John the Baptist. And not just the precursor of Jesus, that is John the Baptist, but the foretelling of his birth. And, and so it orients us two steps or three steps before Jesus. If Jesus is born and Mary is told and John the Baptist is born and Zechariah is told, we're three steps prior to the birth of Jesus. And, and here in this space, Zechariah is there uh, in the temple of the Lord. He's in the inner sanctuary. He's been, uh, he's been selected for this task. He's a priest. And there in that space, the angel of the Lord appears to, them, to him and offers him a word. And he, he not only doubts, but he double doubts. He doubts twofold. Let's look, let's look at both of them so we could be sure that, uh, that, that we understand that, that it's multi-layered. The first is that the angel Lord tells him very clearly that he and Elizabeth are going to have a son. They're going to have a baby. And he doubts that. In fact, that's the question that he responds back to the angel. The angel says a whole lot. And Zechariah focuses on very little. He singularly focuses on the fact that the angel told him he's going to have a baby. And he's like, do you know how old I am? Do you know how old my wife is? Do you know how old we are? Do you know that we've been trying to have kids? We've been trying to have kids for a long, 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 long time. And now you're going to tell me I'm going to have a kid. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. That's not going to happen because we've been trying. And we've been praying and we've been trying and we've been praying and trying. And we haven't had a kid. And so now that I'm old and I got gray hair all over or no hair all over, now you're going to tell me I'm going to have a kid? I don't believe you. That's the conversation expanded version, according to Jason, of Zechariah and the angel. And you see, that's the first thing. The angel says you're going to have a kid. And Zechariah says, no, I doubt that to be true. I doubt that to be the case. But whenever Zechariah focuses there on, in his doubt, he misses everything else. And, and, and maybe as he misses it, he actually is presenting to all of us the fact that he is doubting that as well. The second thing is, the angel of the Lord tells him very clearly, at least to Zechariah, that his son is going to be the forerunner of Christ the Messiah. That, 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 that his son, who's not yet born, is going to be the one that, 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 that prepares the way for Jesus. And, and for, for a priest, for a practicing Jew, what that means is that, that the angel of the Lord has told him the Messiah is coming like super duper soon, like in your lifetime soon, like gonna happen very soon. And your son is going to play a part in all of that. The Messiah is near. Would you believe it? And he doesn't even hear it. 
Now, we might think that he shouldn't have heard it because the angel is speaking in kind of this coded language. Uh, he's speaking in, in, in terms that, that, that you and I have to dig into and read into to understand. And we'll do that a little bit here in a second. Uh, but, but I want you to know that the, the, the angel is speaking in a language that Zechariah is familiar with. Now, some of us, we find ourselves in circumstances, circumstances where we're in conversations with people and they're speaking a language we do not speak. And I'm not just talking about like Italian or German or Spanish or some foreign language. I'm talking about like they're speaking in a language, like a business language that we don't get. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, if, have you ever met with a bunch of like, like engineers, a lot of you, uh, that, and they start talking engineer? What? Like, like, I don't know what you're saying. Well, the other day I was, I was, I was with a, a group of folks uh, and, and I was talking about our building and we were talking about where the, the cross was going to be and where the altar was going to be. And I, and I, and I said, and, and, and you know, uh, I think it's going to be in front of the chancel. And the folks I was with looked at me and said, huh? I said, the chancel, the chancel. It, 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 and they said, well, is that the stage? And I said, yes, the chancel is the stage, the platform, like the kind of the, 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 the raised space in a sanctuary. That's a chancel. And, uh, and they said, hey, Jason, why don't you just come down here and speak to us common folk on our own level? Uh, why you got to call it a chancel? Just call it a stage. That's okay. You don't have to, you know. And I, and, and, and I thought to myself, yeah, that's what it's like, like. I could do that. I could talk in a language that, 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 uh, that most folks wouldn't understand. And you, from your own business life, could talk in a language that I wouldn't understand. And that's how we do sometimes. But I want you to know that when the angel of the Lord is speaking to Zechariah, he's speaking words that Zechariah most definitely would have understood. He would have understood that, that the angel was telling him not just that he would have a son, but also who his son would be. You see, in, uh, in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 and 4, uh, it, it speaks uh, almost a direct echo uh, to what Gabriel tells Zechariah. Isaiah 40, Isaiah 40 verses uh, 3 and 4, the words will be on the screen. It says this, it says, A voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way the Lord makes straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places made plain. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. I mean, that's, that's, what, that's what it says in Luke. It says that this, that, that this child, this one, is going to be the one that, that prepares the way of the Lord to make ready. It says it in verse 17 quite clearly. And, and, and so uh, whenever, whenever Gabriel says, here, your son's going to be born, and here's what your son's going to do. Your son's going to grow up, and your son's going to make, make a way for the Lord, and uses the exact same language and words that have been echoed from generation to generation in the prophecy, the prophecy from Isaiah, Zechariah would have known what the angel was saying about his son. But it's even, it's even more profound than that. In Malachi chapter, uh, in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, this is the, the, the last 
book uh, of the Old Testament and, and the last uh, word of prophecy that comes before we turn uh, to Matthew, before we, before we turn to the, the story of Jesus. And in Malachi uh, chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, it says this. It says, Lo, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of, the, uh, of parents to their children and the hearts of children to their parents so that I will not come and strike the land with a curse. Parents to children, children to parents, that's what this one, this forerunner of Christ, is going to do. And in, in Luke chapter 1, it, that's exactly what it says in verse 17. This one, this, this child that, that Zechariah is going to have, he will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And then verse 17, the spirit of power of Elijah, that same reference to Elijah, uh, there he will go before them to turn the hearts of parents their children and disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. You see, the words of the angel are an echo of the prophecy that has come from years and years ago. But it's easy to doubt, isn't it? It's so easy to doubt. Isaiah's prophecy of the Messiah and the forerunner to the Messiah was 700 years before the angel speaks to Zechariah. Malachi, Malachi's words of prophecy were, were 350 years before, 350 years before the angel comes and meets with Zechariah. But Zechariah as a priest, one who is elevated to the status where he has access on occasion to go in and be present in the sanctuary of the Lord, he would know exactly, exactly what the angel is saying. And yet, he chooses to doubt. I wonder if the doubt of the coming of the Messiah was so heavy on his soul that he was incapable of hearing that word. What would that be like to be filled with so much doubt that you couldn't even hear a word of truth? coming to you. It would be as one who is filled without hope, who dwells in that state of skepticism and cannot find their way out. I've often wondered if Zechariah, who is then, because of his doubt, the the angel uh, makes him mute, and so he leaves the sanctuary of the Lord, and he goes forth uh, from the sanctuary, and he, he engages his fellow priests, and as he does that, he cannot speak, and he starts uh, a game of scattergory, or what, what's the game where you make charades, that's the one, you, you, you do the motions, yeah, you like my motions, that's the motions of charades, obviously. Uh, and, and you're good, you get it. So, so I don't think that, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that the other priests were as good at it as you were because he comes out and he starts trying to explain to them what took place and they don't understand. I often wonder, how long did it take Zechariah to believe 
rather than doubt? Was it the moment that he could not speak? Was it the moment that he found out that Elizabeth was pregnant? Was it the moment that John was born? Or, or was it the moment that he could speak again? But not just doubt that he was going to have a baby. When, when did the doubt dissipate? That doubt of the fact that his son was the forerunner to Christ. Doubt's a powerful thing. I remember uh, six years ago this week, um, Lauren and I uh, had uh, a, a, a wave of, uh, of high to low to high again. Uh, in August, six and a half years ago, uh, Lauren and I were called by God to, uh, to adopt and enter into uh, the foster care process so that we could foster to adopt. And uh, we were certified as a foster home uh, just before Thanksgiving six years ago. Uh, and uh, we, were, we were waiting for a call so that we would be told uh, who we were going to be blessed to foster with the hopes of being able to adopt. And, and uh, tomorrow, six years ago, December the 3rd, we got a call. And the call was for us uh, to be aware that, uh, that, that they thought something was coming. Uh, there was a, a young girl and uh, they would let us know the next day if the match worked out because we were going to be submitted for her. And then on the 4th, we, uh, we then heard definitively that, uh, that, that we were going to be the match and that on the 5th, the evening of the 5th, this baby was going to come home and be in our home, uh, six-month-old baby girl. And so Lauren and I, we went to Target. We like to shop at Target. We went to Target. We went to Target and, and uh, we bought six-month-old baby girl clothes and, and stuff for the crib. And, and that night, Lauren and I prayed together. And we prayed uh, on December the 4th for God to give us a name of the baby girl that was going to be coming into our home so that we could name this child of God. And the Lord gave us a name for this child. And on December the 5th, we woke up that morning knowing that that afternoon, that evening, the Lord was going to bless us with a daughter. And as the afternoon proceeded... Uh, we were waiting for the call, trying to find out when this child of God was going to be delivered into our home and, uh, and uh, when all of this praying and this calling was going to be fulfilled. And late that afternoon, around 4, 4.30, we got a call and we were told that things fell through and this daughter of God was not going to come home with us. And was going to go somewhere else. I was devastated. I was broken. And I was filled with frustration and doubt. Doubt in whether God had called us to this. Doubt in whether uh, this is God's plan for us. Doubt in whether we were being obedient. And, uh, and Lauren and I uh, were weighted down in in a state on December the 5th, six years ago, in, in, a, in a spirit of mourning and loss. And, and I remember we went out to dinner with our friends, 
and uh, it was before El Chaparro opened. And so, so we were eating Mexican. It wasn't there, so we weren't cheating on them. Um, but uh, we went out to dinner with our friends, and um, they were good enough friends to where they let us they let us talk at our own pace and kind of process at our own pace. But during the meal, uh, Lauren and I processed through with them the pain that we were experiencing and the loss that we were experiencing and the doubt. I remember, I remember the heavy doubt and the wondering if God uh, was present in all this or if we had just made it all up. And while we were at dinner at that table, we got a call uh, from our foster care agency, and they said a baby has been born just two days before on, on December the 3rd, and this baby boy needs a home. Would you be willing to submit for this baby boy? I know that you're experiencing pain and you just lost this opportunity, and I can't imagine what you're feeling, but do you want to submit and I came back in the restaurant, I asked Lauren, I explained the situation, went back, called, said, yes, we'll submit. But I'll tell you what, I didn't think it was going to happen. I didn't think it was going to, I didn't think it was going to happen because I didn't, I didn't like, I didn't believe anymore. And so uh, we proceeded on with the meal, had another margarita. I like margaritas. Um, and, uh, and at the same meal at that table, we got a call back saying, uh, you have won the submission. Not only do you not have to worry about what happened yesterday, uh, today happening to you again, tomorrow morning, can you meet us at the hospital and pick up your baby boy? Well, like, dude, how, how long does it take to turn doubt to hope? Like, how long does it take to turn that, that skepticism, that downtrodden, downtrodden feeling of doubt to a position of hope and possibility that results in joy? And so Lauren and I... It was a muted celebration, and we went home, and we looked at each other, and we waded through the question of, were we going to allow ourselves to hope today on December the 5th, like we did the day before on December the 4th? Were we going to go shop? Where are we going to gather together to pray? Where are we going to ask God for a name? Where are we going to do the things that hopeful people do? Or were we going to sit and dwell in doubt? So by God's grace and the movement of the Holy Spirit, we were lifted up from where we were and moved from doubt to hope. And we named Samuel James Burnham. God has blessed us so richly, each and every one of us. And I would encourage you this season 
to allow yourself to anticipate God doing a magnificent thing in your soul. For God to move the doubt away and suppress it with such power that only he has so that your very spirits can be lifted to anticipate God moving in an alternative way. For God to move with power and light and bring you hope. I don't know what you're going through today. Where you've been, where you are, but I know where God is taking you if you'd be open to it. He's inviting you to a place of hope. Come with me there. Let's pray. God, we do give you thanks and praise for the hope we have in your son, Jesus Christ, and the gift that it is to dwell in it. Lord, we ask, oh God, that you would make yourself uh, known to us in the midst of our doubt. Lord, don't abandon us in our doubt. We know you never would, for you are faithful and you are good. Lord, I ask that you would, that you would move powerfully in our midst, that you would uh, lighten our load, that you would turn our spirits' attention to you and to the opportunity that always exists in the grace and love that we have in your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for John. John the Baptist, who, who was the forerunner to Christ. Lord, I thank you for Zechariah, that in his doubt we have an example of our own humanity and the way in which you persist with love and grace. Lord, we ask that you would uh, let us be a people of hope so that as we go out into the world, uh, people would see us and know that something unique, something different is going on there. Let that be a witness and testimony to your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, as we continue in worship and we enter into the space of offering, Lord, we ask that you would bless this time, that it would be holy unto you, and that as we offer gifts to you, Lord, that all that is done in this time would be to your glory, your honor, and praise. Lord, move powerfully, we pray in Jesus' name.